0: Hi, everybody. I'm Sonny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hi, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk. I'm so glad you're here with us this week. I have another really interesting um, episode today on healing trauma, which is a topic that we have covered before here on We Gotta Talk, but never with this spin before. And I really think you're going to love this. Today's guest is Keely Miracle. She is a hypnotherapist, a teacher, and the founder of the Neurointuitive Method. Um, a quick bio, um, after experiencing some trauma in her youth, Keely made it her mission to help high achievers who have seemingly done everything else to heal their trauma, but still feel stuck. I'm really excited to welcome her to the show today. Keely. thank you so much for being on We Gotta Talk.
1: Thank you for having me. I love
0: I love how in um your pitch and when we were going back and forth your bio says you were the Dan Humphrey of your high school, which to people was it's like just a great allegory. <laughs> I mean I came on Gossip Girl really late. I'm a little old for it, but I did binge it as like a 38-year-old, a few Never years too back. old. Never too old. <laughs> um but for people who don't get that comparison and allegory, tell us what that means.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I was the girl from Brooklyn. I was kind of I Dan Humphrey, his whole thing, and it's hilarious that Penn Badgley now does you. I mean, that's far total creepier. departure, right? Well, <laughs> oh my gosh. Far creepier, but both observer characters who are observers. Yes. So, you know, coming into that environment as sort of an outsider. But I think later, as I as I got older and kind of integrated my own story, I realized I was a little bit less of an outsider than I thought, but I was an outsider in the right ways for me. Uh, <laughs> into like a, you know, super high achieving, really like Tony Upper East Side prep school environment coming from, you know, South Brooklyn and parents who really grew up in the British schooling system. It's really a departure. Tell me more about that. Your parents grew up where? Yeah. So both of my parents are from the Southern Caribbean and their schooling system was influenced by the UK. And my dad also, you know, his schooling was UK and then came up here as adults. My parents actually met in Manhattan at Pace University. Oh, so, wow. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. I just gave I, away so many security questions. I <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everybody, we're going to go back and bleep that. No, I wish we could. <laughs> um, wait, okay, Kelly. I'm really interested in digging in right off the top on this concept of the outsider syndrome. Yeah. I feel like I, I am afflicted with that. Um, as someone who had experienced a level of bullying and listen, I know everybody these days deals with some kind of trauma and some kind of issue that sort of alters the way that they interact with people around them. But I often say that I feel like the experience I had that made me a loner, that made me much more of an observer than a participant, at least growing up was my, one of my bigger traumas, but also translated into one of my biggest strengths as an adult because the power of observation and the power to pull back from the group and to be able to exist independently has really brought me strength as an adult but it's st- it's hard t- i still feel like the girl i still feel like the dan humphrey too sometimes like i feel you <laughs> on that i do i like it now
1: but yeah at the time. Tell, yeah, tell us
0: about the yeah. strengths that you find in that, too. and 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 we'll get into the neurointuitive method, which is your sort of specific method for healing people's traumas mm-hmm. and meeting them where they are. But tell us what benefits there are to feeling like an outsider because social media would have you believe or everyone would have you believe that fitting in is what we should aspire to do. But I disagree,
1: mm-hmm. I completely disagree. I don't think there's um any. There's a U-shaped space in the world, so it's kind of your job to become as much of you as possible, mm-hmm. and that looks different for every person, as it's meant to, because, again, it's U-shaped. Um, so I think having the experience of being an outsider and going to a school where it's like I couldn't hide my outsider-ness if I tried. Like, I'm definitely quirky. I, I'm neurodivergent, so I blurt things out. You know, I just I just say what I'm thinking. Um, and in an environment especially when it was kind of like that cookie cutter sometimes again gossip girl era mm. <laughs> um, you know everybody like what's your pin like a certain sort of yes because we had blackberries i don't know what you know yes i loved
0: the blackberry I don't know but as an, as an adult i had one not as a 12 year old
1: right what i don't know why we needed that <laughs> so but funny. you know just just a series of like status symbols and, and all of these trappings, of uh, even the school itself was a trapping, you know, parents and I, my mm-hmm. parents participated in this too. Like, but you know, parents work from almost birth to get their kids into these kinds of schools. And it, it's really, you know, a lot, it's a lot. So, you know, you have these kids who are destined on a certain path. Um, they've really been set on a trajectory. And then you have the pressure of just being a kid you got a pressure of being a kid with a different socioeconomic class than most of the world. And then you've got me. And it's like I was, you know, middle class kid, went to the mm-hmm. school, never really struggled in that way. But of course, I didn't have hedge fund money. I was just a normal kid from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Not that those kids are, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so as an outsider, definitely being able to first of all observe notice where people were wounded, notice where people had advantages. I think everybody comes into this world with a certain set of gifts and skills. And again, this U-shaped place that you it's your job to become as much of you as possible. Um, Everybody comes into this world with their own bag of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And from zero to seven, you're mostly unconscious. So that's when a lot of your learnings sink in. So what stuff you overhear, things your parents tell you, things you observe. And you don't necessarily have like the conscious ability to filter things through. So a lot of us are just walking around with that. And that can be people who've had really great childhoods and it's just for everyone. It's just the fact of the matter. Everybody's kind of unconscious those first seven years. So people are walking around with that. Now, if you have more difficulty, if you don't have the same, you know, um, resources and parental love and care or resources financially, you're dealing with a certain set of issues, but everyone has their stuff. And I think when you're an outsider, you can see that very clearly. And I think you also learn how to look at yourself. Yeah, I
0: think the biggest gift we can be given is being forced out of... any societal expectation, whether that's the expectation placed on you as a woman or a mother, Mm, or mm -hmm. in your case, the expectation of a student at an upper crust sort of Tony school. like Sometimes the best gift is the benefit of that perspective. And I actually, I was just having this conversation with my sister today, even as a woman, a 41 year old grown woman, like fully into my life and the narrative Mm -hmm. of my life right now, it really is surprising um, how that sort of group mentality persists no matter the mm-hmm. age. and It can it can feel challenging to not feel part of the group or part of the system. Or So what were some things that you did um, and that sort of dovetailed into the work you do now? What gift did you find in yourself at that young age that you sort of nurtured to develop into this that makes you be able to do what you do? Because I don't think you can help heal trauma unless you've experienced it or have been forced to confront it in some way
1: yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going through that environment definitely left me with my own set of traumas that I had to work through later on. Like, what did you
0: feel? Name them for us. Like, Ooh,
1: I mean, (laughs) tell
0: me more Keely, like I'm being your therapist. You don't have to tell us anything you don't want to tell, but like, just so, you know, I, you know, feeling just like an outsider or
1: feeling, I mean, feeling isolated, feeling, you know, I think there's, such a deep insecurity that can really come online in those years. And the way to the way most people deal with insecurity is to try to find someone to put down. So, you know, dealing with that, and dealing with that street sometimes being two way. Mm -hmm. Like, if someone's mean to you, chances are you might be mean back. Mm -hmm. Um, So learning about myself, in that environment, what do you do when nobody sees you? What do you do when some people see you? What do you do when people misconstrue you? And that's like an ongoing sort of theme because everybody's not going to understand you. Everybody's not going to perceive you correctly at first because everybody's dealing with their own perception, um, their own, uh, again, that stuff is coloring the perception. So for me, I would definitely have these moments where I felt isolated and hopeless and just really really in a dark place for a kid. And then I think later on, having conversations with my peers as adults, it's so funny, the people who you thought really were doing well or had everything, many of them were dealing with similar struggles, similar Mm -hmm. feelings of this inadequacy, of this isolation, of the pain, of being unseen, of feeling like you have to mask all of the time. So that was the masking was double layer, was double for me because I have again the neurodivergence. So I was diagnosed with ADHD around 22. And then autism, I kind of put the pieces together a couple of years after. (laughs) The way you tell me about this, what
0: were you noticing, Keely? And like what led you to that diagnosis? I'm hearing a lot of this lately is that people are, I like, whatever, I'll tell you my story after this. But I also (laughs) had like a recent big revelation about that explained a lot about how I behaved as a child and now, but I'm interested mm-hmm, in hearing mm-hmm. what you noticed that led you to those. Yeah.
1: So I end up working with a lot of like high achievers. And like, for me, what I noticed in myself is it's very easy. Like most of the kids in the gifted and talented program, so many of them, like they've got some neurodivergence going on, right? So they're right. So they're praised for being this gifted and talented and kind of um, appealing to adults, mm-hmm. really. Um and that was an experience that I had. Like adults, really liked me most of the time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Other kids, I of course I had friends. I've <laughs> always been a social person, but you know, sometimes other kids, it's like I just don't get her, and that's okay. But um, yeah, like appealing to adults, having this high intelligence, um, really being able to perform and produce, and a lot of it is related back to that masking. Like you kind of learn, like okay, well this is expected of me. I can do this, and this is mm-hmm. this, and and. I'll just get praised. So also I think that was a really important part of that experience going to that school. It was the first time where I wasn't just instantly praised for everything. Mm. Um, and like I wasn't perfect and I wasn't top of everything. Like I got great grades, but I wasn't top of the line. I wasn't, you know, number one all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you have to deal with when you're a high achiever. And I think a lot of people don't run into it until they're much older. So mm-hmm. I I know that that's helped me. I don't have to be um, as comparative in my like life journey. Mm-hmm. I don't think learning that lesson helped me. That helped me. Helped me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, ADHD moment.
0: <laughs> Pause. Unpause. Okay. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So but- so you work now as a hypnotherapist and you coach people. What's interesting about your method, it's called the neurointuitive method, neuro-intuitive method is that you sort of meet people where they're at and you sort of learn the way they learn. Am I describing this in the proper yeah. way? And then help them heal once you... F- it's almost like finding the plug in the wall, like where to plug it in,
1: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's so funny. I said that word earlier today. Um, but I usually, yeah, like this morning I was talking about, what do I do with leaks? I plug them. <laughs> so Nobody, oh my gosh. But but yeah, I, I think of it more as like a thread because I, I can hear when people are speaking, and I think this is the power of observation as well. Like usually there's a couple, there's only so many core wounds under the sun. There's There's one human experience. Everybody has a different variation of it, but there's only so many core wounds under the sun.
0: Give us an example of a couple of core wounds because this is interesting and I think people might might be able to hear and connect with one of them.
1: Yeah, so let's take the inadequacy wound. Um, this could be often the story of something like this. Okay, well, my parents weren't necessarily vocal or they were only vocal when I performed in a certain way. So I grew to, again, perform for their approval, for their love, for their, um, and this is like a common immigrant kid story, Uh, but I I learned to perform for their approval. The only time I received like a certain amount of vocal praise that made me feel good is when I did a certain thing. Mm -hmm. So you walk through life looking for that reward. And sometimes the reward is really far off. and you keep hammering at something that isn't going to give you a reward but you just know if i just keep at it and i just i keep if i keep at it if i stay here if i if i perform well enough then eventually there will be a reward um and there's a there can be a wider conversation had about that especially about uk schooling but anyway if
0: i stay That's here and I, but, but basically it sounds like you are you were shouldering the responsibility and people with this wound would be shouldering the responsibility of Achieving not only for their sake, but also the sake of the people who sacrificed to bring them there. It's like right. almost a personal responsibility
1: thing. It is. And it's not a bad thing to have a certain sense of personal responsibility. We all need it. But at the same time, you can't manipulate people. Right. And that's ultimately what what develops is kind of a manipulative strategy. And people hear manipulation and they think bad. It's like, no, performing in a certain way to induce people to react to you in a certain way is heavy masking and it's manipulative oh, um, and it's so interesting. draining. Mm-hmm. So I meet mean a lot of people and they've been doing this for many, 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 many years and they're drained because again, the reward's just not coming or they've had the rewards and the rewards don't feel good. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Okay. Walk us through some other of the core wounds and we don't have to like go into everyone, but I do want to just kind of run through so people can kind of here, what, because at the, at the end of the day, like you said, we're all likely dealing with one of these.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, control, that's also interlinked. Um, when people feel out of control early in life, early in childhood, they can create scenarios that either replicate that or really close in on themselves. So they don't really try new things. They don't necessarily experience things because it's hard to trust that they will be okay. So what that leaves you with is, again, control issues, um, a damaged relationship with yourself, um, because ultimately, what do we generally do? We survive. That means you keep going. That means you get to make more decisions. So what you see with these people often is like an analysis paralysis sort of thing. Um, and they don't move forward. They kind of stagnate because they're a little bit scared of what's ahead because they don't know. Um, and we're not meant to know, but but it feels scarier mm-hmm. than it is because they're mm-hmm. approaching it in part from like a fragmented place. And sometimes it's really the child responding. Oh, there's
0: It's so interesting to me. I, I did a hypnotherapy session um, with a therapist down here in Orlando. And mm-hmm. you bringing up the phrase inner child just sparked this memory and I'm sure this is something you address with your clients too, but it was really shocking to me how much of the work involves addressing the inner child and these core wounds. And I think like we can talk about these things in talk therapy or things that we do with our conscious mind. But when you get into that state where you're, working with a hypnotherapist and you start to realize oh my god it all goes back to like my baby self it's very profound and as a mother it, mm. it was even more profound to me um anyway I, want, I would love for you to sort of dive into that the concept of the inner child and we sort of work through these early wounds and everybody no one gets through life unscathed like you said but like tell us about the importance of of addressing the inner child in some of these sessions or just being aware that you even have one
1: yeah i think Treating yourself with tenderness is something you're supposed to do your whole life and we lose sight of it. I think because the world is very rough, can be very rough um, on everyone. And I think with children, we have a more delineated concept in our society for how it is they're there to be cared for, what they're to be protected from. And we lose that, we can lose that when we get older. So when you realize that you're supposed to be treating yourself with tenderness, like all the time I think you make again more mindful decisions you choose better things for yourself um and you just you're more in tune with your emotions like I think mothers and, and often I I work with many mothers they have this realization they've been accepting certain things and it's like well would I want my child to accept certain things would I want my child in this situation and then suddenly it becomes unacceptable and they move mm-hmm. they shift away from the situation um but you should be able to look at yourself with that same level of grace and compassion and love and care and and that preciousness so the inner child does need that support and you can continue to mature it like it doesn't have to stay wounded it can literally just be like a whole healthy happy inner child that you just take with you on Mm -hmm. the, on the journey but sometimes yeah.
0: I love that. I never thought of that. I just, just thought we were freezing her in time forever and just no. being like making
1: it better and then moving on. She's with you. She's with you. Like, I still love Barbies. I don't play with Barbies, but like when I see Barbie related things, I get really happy. The advertising worked at the, the core memories work. You know, I get really happy. I love I love hot pink. Like, mm-hmm. you know? And that that also was something I really moved away from because it just didn't seem cool. Like, right. to be smart and to be competent and to be grown up, you have to be all cynical and and so, like, skeptical of everything. And, and the things that bring you joy, you just right. to hide it. You don't have to do that.
0: No. And I think, too, for women, a challenge is letting that frivolous side of their personality flourish and mm-hmm. not being ashamed of it. And I, I came up with, seems about a decade ahead of you in the professional world, but there was a time in my career and life where I altered everything about me, the way Mm -hmm. I spoke, I cut my hair short, I dyed it a different color to make people think that I was intelligent. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's you know, Mm -hmm. to make myself feel more accepted in a room full of usually older men who were in control of the situation. And Mm -hmm. what I love seeing now with this like sort of dawn of like a new mental health era is like women are realizing, okay, I can love, and I say this all the time on my channels, it's, we contain multitudes. I can love frivolous, stupid, superficial stuff like skincare and not stupid, but you know, stupid, right? No, you don't have to do it. I'm Mm -hmm. trained. I'm trained in this stuff. Yes. I'm like, Oh, I need to break that. But yeah, you can, you can contain so many parts that maybe seem at odds on the surface, but it doesn't take away from your profundity as a human being or Mm -hmm. your capabilities, whether it's at work or in a relationship or anywhere. And it's just, it, it sounds so simple. I think for men, especially because they there's not a dual existence for men. I don't want to like make this a man bashing thing. I love men. But um, <laughs> you know, as a woman, I'm sure you have many clients too who come to that realization that we can merge all of these into one person and not be ashamed yes. of you loving your hot pink or you know, being drawn in by a good Barbie, you know, commercial or something. And and it coexists. But it, society told us for so long that you couldn't, that you were vain or shallow or mm-hmm. silly or girlish if you did.
1: Right. And again, what's wrong with that? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I love it. Okay, so how did you develop the neurointuitive method? And when you're working with clients, and as we said earlier, you work as a hypnotherapist, so you're teaching people to sort of overcome these core traumas. Um, What's unique about this method?
1: Yeah, so I came to it after, I feel like I literally tried everything, (laughs) so For a very, for a very long time, I tried, you know, traditional methods, the things that were supposed to work, quote unquote, Um, again, with that, assuming what gets to have value and what gets to be serious and what gets to be functional and effective. um, For a long time, I was really resistant to other methods of healing. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I was going to talk therapy. I spent about seven years in talk therapy, like consistent Um, seven years in talk therapy. And I could intellectualize up the wazoo about my emotions. And it's yeah. funny because now I actually do talk about this intellectually, but I feel my feelings too. Um, but I could intellectualize about my emotions. I could tell you why I did exactly what I did. I could, I could go through all the logic because I'm a smart person. Um, ADHD is a thing that may make you think that you're not smart past a certain point because it's harder to perform because it's not set up for you to perform. Um, So I was going to talk therapy and I was trying to perform if I was honest about it and I could talk through my problems. I understood exactly what I was doing, but I wasn't changing um, fast enough. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, It didn't feel like I could do the right thing. Logically, I could make the logical choice, but it wouldn't feel good to me. So I realized I needed to go a little bit deeper. So, I do have like a childhood background and in I was raised in unity and really deep in Kabbalah, like as a kid. And um they're very open to the power of the mind and the power of the tongue and 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 that influence on healing. and it's it's I had to make a return to that. I got so alienated because part of that conditioning being at that school and then going on to another elite school, I just learned what was serious, what was mm. to be taken seriously and what was smart and what worked and what had proof and et cetera. But you know, there's living proof. Um, and a lot of what's been taught holistically is being con- confirmed by science, quote unquote. Um, and all science is is a, is a way of learning things. It's a way of, dis- it's a method of discovery. Um, but anyway, back <laughs> to TNM. I tried everything and I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't able to move past certain certain barriers. In fact, I got better at repressing and mm-hmm. I got better at being able to talk about things without feeling my emotions. So I tried all of the traditional stuff. I spent a very long time in talk therapy. Then I started venturing out. I tried Reiki and I was like having these big pings. And then I had this really profound spiritual, awakening that had been happening all through my teens and i was really repressing it so hard that it was making me physically ill Mm. so i decided let me figure out what's making me physically ill let me go study it and then my father started showing uh symptoms of dementia early onset so i started learning about you know the brain and my brother was diagnosed with ptsd later i was diagnosed with ptsd so i was like i want to understand this i want to know why this is happening. I want to know how this works. So I went down the science rabbit hole, more intellectual, more brain stuff, more without feeling. Um, so learning all that I learned, and and doing all the things I was like, Okay, well, why is not this working? It's Very frustrating. I'm supposed to I did the work. <laughs> why isn't this working? Yeah. yeah. Um, so just learning how that affected me learning why certain things didn't work for me, learning why certain things did work. And people had started coming to me, like asking me about the things that I tried. And I was able to start pinpointing um pinpointing, okay, well actually you have this kind of I know you to be this kind of person. I know you mm-hmm. like learning in this way. So I don't think that would be a good place to start for you. I think you should start elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Right. So enough people started asking me. I was like, okay. Then I tried a hypnotherapy session and it was like, in an hour, I did more than I did in years on talk therapy it's and I wild. was like, It's wild, isn't it? Yeah, I was I was overjoyed, but I was also devastated because, you know, it felt like, um, it felt like there had been some kind of secret that was kept from me. Uh, and I was doing all of this suffering and searching and seeking. And of course you don't find anything before you're meant to. But I was just like, oh my God, I spent so many years in agony. I built this life up around me Mm. um, on the wrong things because I wasn't able to access me.
0: Can I hop in and ask this question too? You brought up some really important distinctions, I think, between that conscious therapy, the talk therapy, the understanding why logically we do things, Mm -hmm. and sort of the feeling side of things, or the more woo woo for a lack of a better term, which I think, you know, I consider it a positive term. But hypnotherapy sort of falls under the. you know, the alternate sort of healing category, what is it about that energetic form of healing? You said Reiki also had the same impact that accesses us at a different point and in a different way than talk therapy. What's the magic?
1: Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, (laughs) From a neuroscience perspective, you are literally activating your parasympathetic nervous system with all of those modalities. Um, So it's literally that part of you that dreams, that part of you that when you're asleep the only part of you really it's the only state to activate if you want to heal something so why your body is, why mm-hmm. is that well so you're breathing right you don't you don't need conscious thought necessarily to breathe to sustain your life right mm-hmm. so that's your that's a function of your parasympathetic nervous system it's really mm-hmm. just primal it's very fundamental it developed before any of the conscious parts of your brain. Um in fact the prefrontal cortex doesn't really close until your 20s. And for women, there's some evidence that it closes a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Well closes. It never closes. But you know what I mean. Develops. Earlier earlier in your 20s. Um, And for men, sometimes it's a little bit later. (laughs) Shocker. Um, Shocker. Right. Real shocker. It's like the evidence is is increasingly there. Um, but it's just the part of your brain that doesn't need your input. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, mm-hmm. but now you can now you can you can add your own input, like things like hypnotherapy, being active about like intentional breath work, being active about your sleep. It's just the part of your body that is able to perform the repair function. So we're using the conscious mind when we're doing talk therapy, and it's very important to be able to have language to put to things and to make sense of things. But it's also important to not neglect that um, deeper part of you and that baser Mm -hmm. part of you because you actually make most of your decisions from there and you Mm -hmm. act from that place. So Mm -hmm. if there's a conflict, you're usually gonna find the resolution much deeper than the conscious mind because- Mm
0: -hmm. I'm sorry, I have so many questions. Did you talk, is that because our conscious mind is, Constantly trying to sort of defend our decisions, and mm-hmm. it's like the defense attorney for our bad decisions,
1: right? It's like, but let me explain. You know, <laughs> I mean, is that why? Um, in part, it's it's trying to make sense of what it's seeing, right? So, your it it also has survival concerns. Mm-hmm. It, it gets activated on a, on a higher level in terms of interacting with other people and structures and all these things, but it also has survival concerns. So its job is to keep processing. Your whole brain's job is to process, but your parasympathetic nervous system is there to also support your life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's trying to support your life through making sense of what it's seeing, what it's perceiving. So it just has to make sense of of, of the very narrow picture in front of in front of them. So mm-hmm. one of the um, exercises that I do is like a hemispheric connector and that kind of kicks you into your PNS because what's happening is when we're really into your parasympathetic nervous system Because when we're what's happening when we're really focused on our conscious mind is sometimes we get into something called foveal view. So it's literally we lose perspective. Mm-hmm. We focus on one point. So we're going to make sense of whatever's there. It may not be the full story. It may not be the actual truth, it may not be what we believe, but we will make sense of it. So that's the trap the conscious mind can really fall into. This
0: is so fascinating. So what we're doing with hypnotherapy then is not tricking the system, but we're like going in through the back gate where yeah. so you can do that healing because the conscious mind will always sort of shut things down when when it feels like it has to.
1: Yeah. Like let's make do this is what we're seeing. Let's
0: make do. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, I like I said, I, I found to be my, I did RTT, so rapid transformational mm. therapy. I okay. don't know if that's different in any way from what you do, but um, a lot of the questions I got after the fact were, well, number one, like, can they make you do anything you don't want to do? So please address mm. that because- I know what the answer is, but I think there's this unwavering there's fear. concern. Yes, yeah. you, there's a fear because we've all seen those shows, Keely, at like mm-hmm. resorts where the hypnotherapists <laughs> come up and they make people like take off their shirts and they're
1: like, but I don't want to do Act like anything. a chicken. Act like mm-hmm. a chicken. Yes. Yeah. So please dispel that for us. We hear all the stories. I was recently asked about this for a Forbes article too, so I'm glad to like expand. <laughs> um, there's this fear again, right? That you you're not in control, but it's really just more you. So when we're accessing your subconscious you are really in control the hypnotherapist is really there as a guide so it's like this is your land i'm the real estate agent let me just show you around um i i kind of know the layout the basic layout here are some quirks that i know about um but this is you so i want to find out more about you um and i think i have a very strong intuitive abilities. So I go a little bit deeper with the hypnotherapy. So sometimes we're walking around with inherited trauma.
0: So Don't even past, started, life, past
1: generation. Yes.
0: Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. this is like a whole separate thing, but like, <laughs> do you ever hear the theory that our, our trauma goes seven generations back? Yeah. Okay. Is there truth to that? There has
1: There's to be. There's definitely truth to that. But at some people, I have clients who can go further back on their timeline, like, right. But in your body there's supposed to be seven generations seven lives
0: i so, i mean everyone who listens to this show knows that i i'm like fully i fully buy into all this stuff and i i consider myself a very intelligent person but to yeah not believe in the spiritual side of things just seems so foolish but um mm-hmm. i do genu- genuinely feel that i have reactions to things that my own personal life experiences don't warrant. I have mm. visceral, and it I feels like it can only be explained sometimes by the energy passed down, but now we're getting like super woo. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Anyway, you saying that just really rings true. And I feel like addressing yes. some of that would be a really interesting experience. So you do some of that work with your clients yes. too. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I think that's part of why they find my work so special because it goes way back. <laughs> And it allows them, there's like an intergenerational aspect that people need healing about, um, people need wow. healing for. Um, I used to be terrified when I would see my dad. And you know, kids, kids have trouble with like object permanence, and it gets yeah. worse if you have ADHD. But it's like, I would get really anxious sometimes. And I would see my dad leave for work. I found out in my 20s, my great-grandfather, and like, it was like a really powerful, visceral fear. I found out in my 20s, my great-grandfather, who was probably the last, you know, a a huge great love story in our family, my great-grandmother and my great-grandfather, he went to work one day, had a freak accident, didn't come home. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother was standing by the door. I would go and stand by the door. That's great. Years as a kid. And it would always be when my dad went to work, I'd be like, oh my God. (laughs) It's like, it made no sense. But, and you would think normal kid thing, but it was deeper. Yeah, no, I, I totally believe that. Ah,
0: I like want to do yeah. a whole separate episode about this, but we don't have time. Okay. So wait, yeah. let's get back on with the, with the neurointuitive method, because I want yeah. people, you know, considering talking to sort of like really understand the process. So um, give, it us a, give us an example of uh, something a client might be struggling when they work with you, how it looks to work with you. Is this like a multi-session thing? Mm-hmm. And and maybe something that they end up feeling or some sort of revelation they end up happening af- having after you go through the sessions.
1: Yeah. So usually subconscious change I like to give a timeline of about 6 weeks. Okay. Um, so you feel really great immediately when you take the charge off a of particular trauma and I think you would know this cuz you've done some hypnotherapy. You mm-hmm. feel great immediately and then the next the following weeks things start to settle.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: things beliefs shift around. So one one issue that I've been seeing come up Lately, has been uh, anxiety mm. and stagnation in my client base. So, anxiety is really, again, a, a thing about control. Mm. So, um, it has chemical implications, but if you address some of the beliefs, you can have real relief. Mm. Um, so, I've been seeing a lot of that because I think people are feeling quite uncertain, mm-hmm. reasonably. <laughs> With the with the state of the world, but people are feeling quite. What uncertain. are you talking about? It's
0: been very calm in our world lately.
1: <laughs> very, chill. Um, very chill. Very chill. Very <laughs> chill. <laughs> so, just seeing a lot of anxiety. So, it's like anxiety shows up in a, in different ways for people who are high achievers and high performers. So, what we think of as anxiety, like most high achievers, don't necessarily have the luxury. It's not a luxury, but don't necessarily have. Um major external panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, or when they do, they're alone. They're somewhere no one can see them. Right. But usually the breakdown is 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 inward. Mm-hmm. It's very inward. So people who have repetitive thoughts or they just get really anxious about particular outcomes that they have no control over. Right. Mm-hmm. So it 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 just looks it looks very different. Mm-hmm. And talk mm-hmm. therapy is extremely helpful in terms of identifying beliefs. But again, it's a parasympathetic response that you're getting that spike right. in adrenaline, that um, the heart beating, right. the racing thoughts, like that's motivated by the PNS. So if you can go there and address it, it's very helpful. So um, that's something that you can work on pretty quickly, right. given the depending on how deep it is or what's hooked to. Mm-hmm. um, So I just worked on that with someone in one session. I haven't necessarily seen a lot of one-on-one clients lately. I've been living like, <laughs> yes. I've been, love I've been having it. a time. I've been traveling. I've been like living, but, I love <laughs> it. Yes. but yes. Yes. We work to so, live. We don't live to work. Exactly. No, but <laughs> I love my, I do love my work. Um, but, you know, I've been seeing one-on-one clients, but one thing I also do is that I have a product suite. So particular issues, it takes a certain set of beliefs to support a particular set point, upper limit, whatever it is that you're looking to raise. So in terms of, I have something called a love bundle. So that deals with inner child stuff. It deals with um, trust, trust wounding. It deals with intimacy. Mm-hmm. It deals with bodily autonomy. So there's a certain set of beliefs that you need um, to support a certain worldview. And the neurointuitive method is always trying to ask, what are those? Mm -hmm. And how can we shift them? How can we unhook them?
0: And if we are working one-on-one with you, that sort of involves getting to, you get to know your, like you said, get to know your client, how they best Mm -hmm. learn, how they best absorb information, all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, I do a full mind map. So that's where I get the learning style. That's where I get the full history. Um, yeah, I've what this break was facilitated by is that I was able to do some kind of longer term work last year mm-hmm. um, in uh, longer containers. So 12 week, six months, mm-hmm. et cetera. And mm-hmm. I saw people every week and we did a whole mind map and we did from zero to whenever. And right. we found some of their core wounding. And then we went back from there. And then by the time we're into it, we're usually able to see what the next level is in terms of what they want to achieve in the future. So that's helpful. And the timeline goes both ways. So you can implant goals and you can also go back and heal trauma.
0: And and some of the things that people come back and say, what are they noticing after working? Oh. With you?
1: It's like they feel like themselves and they yeah. don't have to defend it or explain it. And mm-hmm. it's just like, once, once you feel like yourself, you're like way more in quote unquote alignment. Right. So the world responds to you differently. Right. And of course with every, the thing about, I like to call them set points, with every new level, there's a new set point. But once you know how you work, it's not a big deal.
0: Meaning like when we next encounter some sort of issue or obstacle, we know sort of we're reprogrammed how to sort of work through it better.
1: Yeah, you know how to work through it better, and also you're able to go to the heart of an issue much quicker. I have one client who's really, he's really funny. He's like, he jokes, "I haven't lost a case since I worked with you because he always understands communication um, because he's not coming in with his own stuff." Yes, like, and you know people can really yes. put their stuff in a in a sack to the side, but it's repressed, so it's going to show up. But he's not coming in with his own stuff in terms of well in this negotiation, I want this and this and this and them not giving it to me means this and this and this about me. And and it's just cooler, um, calmer, definitely more in tune. And you hear the subtext because you're not so concerned with how you're being perceived. Right. Isn't so.
0: it just so shocking to understand how much of life and problems in life aren't really about you. It's just about the other person. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that was mm-hmm. one of my big revelatory moments as an adult. I'm like, wow. I mean, not yeah. saying I'm doing things perfectly. I'm certainly not, but when you, when you You're take back, and right. Exactly. When you, well, when I hear you explain something like what your client said and the gift of being able to step back, to listen, to remove yourself, you start mm-hmm. to realize, oh my God, I don't, it's not about me after all. Like this person who's been a jerk to me or this, you know, yeah. It, it it's about both of us and this person is reacting based on their traumas. And like, yeah. I don't, I don't know why that was just a huge moment for me as an adult. Yeah. And I, I credit, you know, hypnotherapy for sort of to helping pull me out of myself out of my conscious mind.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Cause you need it. Um. Yeah. So yeah, just being able to hear what people are actually saying and right. what they're meaning and not taking things personally. Everybody, again, this use, this, you shaped space in the world most mm-hmm. people are very concerned about what's going on with them mm-hmm. and that's how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. but you can start projecting from that place if you're not handling your side of the street mm-hmm. and, um oh. so yeah he's been he, he's really funny that's like <laughs> tells that's
0: everyone a, about me but yeah, yeah that's a really glowing review Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, well, I, I, we are close to the end of things here and sorry, I just got a comment. I want to make sure it's not a question. Um, I want to tell people how to connect with you and follow you on all of the socials. So tell us where you most often show up and the best way to reach you.
1: Okay. So I show up a lot on both Instagram and Twitter. You can hear my thoughts on Twitter if you're interested in that. (laughs) Um, and I am at Keely Miracle and I'm also at keelymiracle.com. And you can also type in the neurointuitive.com for the same thing. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your gifts with us and your wisdom for this period of thank time. I'm so grateful. Me. Yeah. I hope this encourages people. What's so ironic about the universe and the world is I was just talking to a friend who went to hypnotherapy today about mm-hmm. this and we ended up rescheduling it for today and just mm-hmm. getting to be able to express to people how how helpful this method can be is just, is yes. cool cool. I'm don't really be hot.
1: afraid. It's just you. It's,
0: yes. <laughs> listen, and everybody's got their stuff. So mm-hmm. don't be embarrassed at all. Um, Ever. Yes. Keely, thank you again for spending some time with me today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. You asked great questions. I mean, I would expect nothing less, thank but you. <laughs> you're fabulous at your job.
0: Thank Thank you you. so much. That means a lot. Thank you. And guys, thank you for listening and or watching. I will link all of Keeley's um, websites and socials and show notes so you can check that out. And listen, I don't want to sound preachy, but I'm going to be internet mom for a second and tell you, please, please try hypnotherapy, rapid transformational therapy, some sort of therapy that addresses the parts of you that your conscious mind isn't willing to address because I promise you, you will experience just some pretty incredible revelations. If you do, I can't recommend this highly enough. And we're so fortunate to be in a world now where we can like access this like amazing information and these people digitally. So definitely, definitely take advantage. Okay. I'm off my soapbox. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abada, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog.